Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. So folks, there's a few things I'd like to share with you this morning. We've been on a, a journey over this year for a, a few months now. Uh, concerning the subject of repentance. And when we talk about repentance, what we really are dealing with, we're dealing with matters of the heart, we're dealing of our devotion, our love for God and how that is expressed and worked out within our lives. But really what we're talking about is the issue of lordship. Lordship. And that's really what I want to talk to you about this morning. Uh, from the beginning, when God created the earth and he created mankind and he established our existence, God was God and man was man. He knew who he was and man knew who he was. And the fall was simply man deciding that he too wanted to be God. He wanted to be able to determine his existence. He wanted to decide for himself what was good and what was not good, what was right and what was wrong. You remember that man was given to eat of every tree that was within the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Man decided he wanted to be the one to determine that for himself. He wanted to be God and he therefore he wanted to become Lord of his own life. Up to that point, God and man existed in beautiful unity. There was a beautiful harmony among them. God would there was no conflict. There was no shame. There was no guilt. Everything worked and life was peachy. Um, because they were in an orchard. Everything changed, obviously, when man decided he wanted to become his own God, Lord of his own life. We know the story. We know the fall of man. And we also know how God then had to begin dealing with his people. He had to begin reestablishing this principle of lordship within the hearts of his people. And when he began to make covenant, as he did with 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 Noah, as he did with Moses, as he did with Abraham, he would use words like this. He based covenant with mankind on the foundation of lordship. And he would say again and again, I will be their God and they will be my people. I will be your God. In other words, we have to reestablish things here. You cannot be God and call me God. I will be God. You will be my people. We will belong to each other. I will be your God, exclusively your God but you will also be exclusively mine. Christianity that does not reflect the lordship of Christ is deeply deceptive. There's a lot of good word going out there today. There's so much teaching. We, we live in an age where everything is so freely and easily available to us. And so much is preached about the salvation that comes through Jesus. And that's good. And there's nothing wrong with that. But salvation in itself is not what Jesus or God intended for us. If salvation was the end purpose of the cross, then it would be expedient for each of us once we come to salvation to depart from this earth and to go and be with Jesus. The purpose of Jesus coming was not to get us to heaven. That may seem like a surprise, but the purpose of Jesus coming was to bring heaven to earth. That's why when he, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, pray this way, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In other words, you be God. We hallow your name. Let your kingdom come 
and let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. This is the kingdom message. This is what Jesus came to bring about. That heaven, the spirit of heaven, the atmosphere of heaven, the reality of heaven could come down and be here on the earth. And if you study eschatology and end times things, they talk about a new heaven and a new earth that will eventually be in existence. God's idea is not to wipe out earth and mankind. His idea is to establish his kingdom on the earth once again. And what is a kingdom? It is lordship. Many of us have heard messages, as I say, of salvation, and we come to Jesus, and we're so grateful for what he's done for us. We're grateful for the cross. We're grateful for forgiveness, and we're grateful for salvation. But Jesus, when he commissioned his disciples to go out into the world, he never said to them, I want you to go into all the world and make converts. He said to them, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples. Make followers who will embrace not only the salvation of of Jesus, but the lordship of Jesus. You see, a God without lordship is nothing more than a personal assistant. Think about that. He's like, it's like having, having a genie in a bottle. And you can rub the lamp when you want to, and out comes the genie, and there's all this power, and he can do these amazing things for you, but you still are the master. You are still the one who calls the shots. You're the one who makes the wishes. And unfortunately, many today treat God this way. God is there to bless me. God is there to help me in my business. God is there to forgive me and to, and to get me to heaven. And, and, you know, the benevolence and the goodness of God is that all of those things are true. God does love you. God does want to bless you. God does want to give you his salvation. But God does not exist for you. You see, when I have the wrong idea and I don't have lordship in its right perspective, God ends up existing for me. I become the purpose of his existence rather than the other way around. God is the purpose of our existence. He created us. He is God. I am not. He is Lord. In other words, master. You see, now lordship, many don't like this word because lordship comes with terms. And a part of establishing his lordship God established the terms of the covenant that he made. Not long ago, I went through the book of Exodus again. I was blessed by the stories again and the magnificence of how God showed himself strong on behalf of, of, of the people of Israel, of his covenant people. And he made covenants and decrees with them, not just to Moses and that generation, but to their an everlasting covenant, to their children and their children's children. And as part of this covenant, God said, I will be your God. You will be my people. And for that to be established, you need to live a certain way. And here is what it's going to look like. And he gave the people the law. We know what the law was. It was the Ten Commandments. And there's something, a verse that, that really spoke to me the most, that really just powerfully impacted me as I was reading through Exodus, was Exodus 31, verse 18, which says, And when he had made an end of speaking with him, this is God talking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave to Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. Think about that. Those words boomed out at me. The tablets that Moses got the first time were not just, they were, they were not man-made. They were not made by Moses. He didn't in, inscribe them himself. It says they were written with the finger of God. That's powerful. 
Exodus 32, 16 again reiterates this. Now the tablets were the work of God and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. Now we know what happened to those original tablets. Moses came down from the mountain, saw what was going on and smashed the tablets. He had to go back up and make his own after that. But when God gave himself, the when God gave Moses the law, God himself literally gave Moses those tablets. He gave himself in those tablets to Moses. Now, what is the purpose of a law? The purpose of any law, God's law, national or whatever, is to govern. It is to exercise authority. It is to exercise lordship. It is to reveal the will of the Lord with the expectation that it will be followed. It's to set the boundaries. It's to set the course. It's to set the guidelines and the parameters of thought and behavior. Now, last week, Pastor Andreas read us a couple of portions of scripture out of Matthew chapter 7. And the first or the second one of those was from verse 21 to 23. I'd like to ask you to turn there in your Bibles. Matthew 7, 21 to 23. I'll give you a moment to get there. Remember, we're talking this morning about lordship. So Matthew 7, 21 to 23 says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, let's just pause there for a moment. Jesus is putting emphasis on that word. He doesn't say not everyone who calls to me, son of God, son of God, savior, savior. You see, it wasn't, it's not just enough to know who he is or what he has done. But he, he is emphasizing his expectation that people will come to me and say, Lord, Lord. He says, not everybody who calls me that is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father in heaven. What he is speaking about in that initial verse is genuine lordship. You see, lordship that is not expressed through a change of heart and a change of behavior is not lordship at all. It is something else. It is a fallacy. It's that deceptive Christianity that I was talking about earlier on, where we believe that because we know some things and we can quote some verses in the Bible without actually living them out, it's we deceive ourselves into thinking that God is pleased with us, that we are okay. But what Jesus is looking for is those who do the will, who have inculcated that law and the lordship of Jesus into their lives and has found real change and expression. He says, many will say to me in that day, and again, we see it, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. And here's the key, you who practice lawlessness. Now, listen to that, lawlessness. Lawlessness is the same as idolatry. He who practices lawlessness is one who lives his life as if he has no law. He looks to God as his savior. He looks to God for his blessings, but he still lives his life according to what he thinks is best for himself or according to what he desires to do. You live as though you're Lord of your own life. And there's an expression that we have and we use it often. Oh, he's a law unto himself. We speak that of people who are rebellious, children sometimes. They're a law unto themselves. They will not accept correction. They will not accept advice or counsel. They're going to do what they want to do regardless of what it does or how anybody else feels about it. They're a law unto themselves. What does that mean? That means that 
they have not established lordship in their lives. You see, folks, we, we're not going to stay in this place. I'm going to bring us through to the new covenant understanding of what this means for you and I today. And we may even go on and, and, and delve deeper into this next week. But we need to understand that with any covenant, with any relationship with God, that there are terms, that there is a law that, dis, that prescribes how people are to govern their lives and how we ought to live. God is not some genie in a bottle. God is not. Um, he, he, is, he desires to be intimately involved in every aspect of our lives. Why? Not because he's some control freak, not because he's a micromanager, but because he deeply loves you and I. And he created this entire world and he created you uniquely with laws built into creation and built into who you are. And he understands how those laws work. And when we obey his voice and take his word to heart and walk in it, we begin to eat the good of those laws. If we don't, there's a danger. And let me read to you some portions of scripture. You can write the references down, but I'll read them to you for the sake of time. Proverbs 14, 12 says this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That verse is so sobering to me. And I want to tell you, no matter how long I walk with God, no matter how long I have to submit my heart to him or to those he's put in authority in my life, no matter how long I journey with him, this kind of verse remains sobering to me because it speaks of the deceptiveness of my own heart, that there are certain things that seem right to me, but the way the end of them is the way of death. In other words, I am not a good judge of that which is right, no matter how much I try and rationalize what it is that I want to do. The, the Passion Translation of the same verse says it this way. You can rationalize it all you want and justify the path of error you have chosen. But you'll find out in the end that you look that you took the road to destruction. Sobering words there. Again, Proverbs 29 verse 18 in the Amplified says, Where there is no vision or no revelation of God and his word, the people cast off restraint. What does that mean, restraint? It means that they do whatever makes them feel good. The word of God constrains me. It constrains me to behave in a way that is, con that is in alignment with his heart. It constrains me from doing anything I want to for my own benefit. There are constraints within this because outside of those constraints, I'm going to do harm not only to myself but to others. But within those constraints, there is blessing. Psalm 139, David writes, Father, you've hedged me before and behind and you've put your hand upon me. In other words, you've set constraints and parameters for me to live within. And in that place, your presence abides. And he says that knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is higher than I can attain. Back to Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no revelation of God and his word, the people cast off restraint. But happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God. And there's that word again, law. Law. The expression of lordship is law. Judges 17 verse 6 says this, and it's talking about the days back in Israel. And it says, and in those days, there was no king in Israel. In other words, there was no law. The kings give governance, they give authority, and they give law. And then it says, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Sounds a lot like the days we're living in, doesn't it? Everyone just does what is right in his own eyes. I will follow my truth. You follow your truth. As if truth is, you know, 
this variable thing. You know what the result of that was? The people practiced idolatry. They built idols and they worshipped them. And you know what idolatry is? It's nothing more than God of your own making. A God that you can control. That you determine your God and you determine what he can and cannot do. It is absolute deception. That is the result of those who will not embrace, embrace a law. Now, I want to come back to the law that, that God gave to Moses that he made with his very own hand. While we've been on lockdown, my kids and I have been doing quite a bit of work in the garden. I want to show you some, some of the things that we've got planted. We've planted a, a whole number of things, but I have made tablets of wood with my own hand that the children have colored in and we've varnished them and we've made them look really good. It's kind of, they're not exactly tablets of stone, but these are, we've, we planted some baby marrows and we've planted some carrots and these sit in the garden and we've planted some spring onions and we've got some butternuts in there and we even have some rainbow peppers there. And these are just some of the signs. There's, there's actually one or two more things in the garden as well, but that's enough for the sake of the illustration. Now, these are signs. These tell me what is planted in the ground. Why? Because I don't really know. I'm not a green fingers guy, really. I don't understand a heck of a lot about gardening. This is, this is very much an experiment for me. I tell my kids what to do as if I know what I'm talking about, and they're still young enough to believe me and think that I do know what I'm talking about. But the truth is, without these signs, I wouldn't know what was coming up out of the ground. Uh, what I now know is that baby marrows and butternuts look really similar when they first sprout. They both have broad leaves. I wouldn't know which is which if I didn't take note of what I planted where and stuck a sign in the ground. I need something to point me to what that truly is and what's going on. Likewise, spring onions and carrots look similar when they first come out the ground. Now I'm starting to see some of the carrots have got some frilly leaves, which gives me a great clue. But before that, I would not really have known. Uh, rainbow peppers. I don't know yet. They haven't come out the ground. I don't even know if they're going to. But the sign is there in hope and faith that rainbow peppers will sprout in Jesus' name because I put a sign there and that's what then must grow. So here's the point. These signs point me to something. They point me to, the, to a truth. They point me to a reality that is there. But you know what is better than having a sign to point me? It's having knowledge to recognize it for myself deep intimate knowledge is better now i'm sure that after this whole exercise is completed and in about three months time when i start pulling some things out of the ground hopefully if it makes it that long i will have far more knowledge of what carrots look like when they sprout when they grow and what it's like to harvest them same with spring onions rainbow peppers butternuts marrows you name it I will have inculcated some knowledge through this experience so that hopefully down the line, when I walk past a garden and I see little plants in it, I will know internally of myself, that's a carrot growing there. And those are some baby marrows growing there. And those are some butternuts. Why? Because I don't need a sign to tell me anymore. That has now been drawn into myself. I now possess that knowledge internally. You know, God gave the people of Israel law because they needed a sign to point them, not just to God, but point them, point out to them their sin. 
point out to them what's truly going on within them. But God gives us something better. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah 31, I'm reading from verse 31 to 33 in the New Living Translation, but you can follow along in whatever translation it is that you have. Jeremiah 31, from 31 to 33. And he says this. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant. Though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel in those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions or my laws deep within them. I will write them on their hearts. And then we have this beautiful line again. Then I will be their God and they will be my people. Again, we see this establishment of lordship. And this new establishment of lordship is not an external set of laws that govern the behavior of people, but it's internal law that is inculcated into our hearts and that is designed to transform us from within so that we become not just carriers of that law or those who understand or know about that law, but we become the very epitome and the expression of that law. Now, when we look at the life of Jesus, we can see that he epitomized what the lordship of God should look like. Let me read to you a few things that Jesus says. Uh, I'll do so quickly. You can write the references down and check these out for yourself later. John 5, verses 19 and 20. Jesus says, so I tell you the truth. The son of man can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does. The son also does for the father loves the son and shows him everything that he is doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. And then you'll be truly astonished. Again, he says in John 12, 49, I don't speak on my own authority. This is not my law. This is not my idea or my will. The father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. You see, what we see from these examples in Jesus' life, folks, is not just a submission to the law, not just a submission to outward works and to doing the right things, but we see a life of deep intimacy with God, his father. He says, the father loves the son and shows him everything that he is doing. Folks, I want to say to you today that God loves you deeply and longs to show you everything that he is doing in your life, in your situation, in the lives of your loved ones, in the lives of those you are connected with. God loves you. He loves them. And he longs to show you what he is doing so that you can cooperate with him. Jesus' heart was set on pursuing intimacy with his father. He pursued lordship. It's what he went after. It's how he orientated his life. He says, I do nothing except I see my father doing it. That's an incredible statement. And we need to understand that Jesus did not just live according to the whims of the people. You know, they called him to come to his, his friend's funeral, Lazarus. He said, 
I'll come. I can't come now. Three days later, he went and then raised Lazarus from the dead when he was already smelly. Uh, there's an account of when he went to go and heal the man at the pool and he healed that man and left everybody else there sick and he went on his way. He, people can't, he spent a lot of time trying to get away from people. In fact, you could probably do an exegesis on how much time Jesus spent trying to get away from the crowds. Why? So that he could pursue intimacy with God because it was through intimacy that the lordship of God in his life was found and expressed. As a result, it was like the two of them, Jesus and God, were one. Jesus said to Philip in John 14, verses 8 to 10, Philip said to him, Master, show us the Father and, and we'll be content. And Jesus said, you've been with me all this time, Philip, and you still don't understand. To me, uh, sorry, to see me is to see the Father. So how can you ask, where is the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you aren't mere words. Don't just, I don't just make them up on my own. The Father who resides in me crafts each word into a divine act. Listen to that. The Father who lives within me crafts each word into a divine act. Isn't that incredible? Jesus lived from a place of being so full of the word of God that he, everything he did came from the essence of God dwelling within it. And I want to say to you, this is Jesus' greatest desire for you and I as well. The last scripture I want to go to today, I want to ask you to turn there with me, John 17. John 17 records the prayer that Jesus prayed for himself prior to the cross, for, his, oh, sorry, for, for himself, for his disciples, and for you and I today, for everybody who would believe in him through the gospel. And we pick, I'm going to pick up from verse 20, John 17, verse 20, where Jesus is praying for you and me. And I'm reading from the message translation. Jesus says this, I pray not only for them, speaking of his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. The goal, listen to this, the goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so they may be one heart and mind in us. Isn't that incredible? All flowing according to the same law, according to the same rhythm of grace. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you have given me, I gave them. What was the glory of Jesus? It was the expression of the Holy Spirit through his obedience. The same glory that you have given me, I gave them. So they'll be as unified together as we are. I in them, you in me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness and give this godless world evidence that you sent me and love them in the same way that you've loved me. The new covenant ideal of lordship is that you and I carry within us the very heart of God. This is what repentance is all about. This is what we've been talking about all year long. I'm bringing it up, although it's not the same theme of the message, but this is the essence of repentance. It's reestablishing the lordship of God in every sphere of our hearts and lives. This is the law, not of his hand, but it is the law of his presence. It's not the law written on tablets. It's the law that is now inculcated within our hearts 
It's the law of his love and it's the expression of his kingdom. And God's desire, Jesus' desire, is that we'll be so one with him that our hearts and lives would become governed by the law of his love. Where we seek not our own well-being, we seek not that which is just good for us as if we were lords of our lives. But we lay, we lay down our lives for the well-being of others so that the spirit and the love and the grace of God can work through us into their lives. Now, I want to be honest. I am particularly challenged by this message during this time that we find ourselves in. How do I embrace God's heart and live it out in the midst of this pandemic that we find ourselves in? How do I do that? How do I reach beyond myself? Where do I reach? Who do I reach out to? What are some of the things that I can do to demonstrate God's love? Well, each of us need to learn to discern and rely on the voice and the person of Holy Spirit within us for guidance in this area. Every one of us who calls ourselves, uh, call ourselves a believer have the presence of God dwelling within us. The gentleness of God, the peace of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God. And I want to say to you folks that the time for action within the church is at hand and we need to prepare ourselves for it. Those who have truly yielded themselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ will soon begin to shine like lights in the midst of this darkness that we're finding ourselves in. They will be the ones who are at peace. They will be the ones who are walking in the goodness and the provision of God. And they will be the ones who bring light and hope into the lives of those who are dwelling in darkness and who are sitting in positions that seem hopeless. I have found in my life that establishing the Lordship of Jesus is one of the most challenging things because it means the denial of self. It means that I need to deny my own heart and my own will. It means that I need to deny what I want and I need to deny how I feel. But I've also discovered that when I'm prepared to do that, I receive something far greater than I could ever have hoped for. And that is the very will, the very heart, the very peace and the very love of God for me, working within me, that I'm able to express it outwardly and so folks that's what i want to encourage you about this morning that word lordship not an external form of law but how is it that you and i are guided every single day by the word of god and the spirit of god that dwells within us i want to speak about this a little bit more over the weeks to come uh, paul has a lot to say about this and we see by his life that he lived it out but the question I want you to ask yourselves this today and this week, how, Jesus, is your lordship being expressed in my heart and life? Not just yourself, not just your forgiveness, but how is your lordship finding expression? What is it that I see changing and working within my heart that leads to an action that I know is burst of God, that is burst by you? And that I can express by the grace and the power of God. We are going to, Jesus lived his life that way. We are going to need to, in the season ahead, learn how to live in the rhythms of the spirit of God. That we can be led moment by moment, situation by situation, 
opportunity by opportunity to express the love of God, the power of God, and the grace of God in the season and in the time that we are called to. God made no mistake when he gave you your birthday. He knew that you would be living through the season you are in. And there's a plan and a purpose for you within the season to inculcate his nature and be that to the world around you. My question to you is, as you pray this week and as you spend time with God this week, what is the unique way that God has called for you? And how is it that God wants to lead you by his spirit through this time and season? I'm not going to give you that answer because it's not mine to give. The lordship in your life is not me. It's the spirit of God through the presence of Jesus. Let's pray for a moment. Father, I want to thank you. As we started out this morning, acknowledging your presence, Lord God, that where you are present, you are God. And I want to thank you this morning, Lord, that as we hear these words, our heart's desire truly is, Lord, to establish your lordship within our hearts and within our lives and within the environments, Lord God, that we have dominion over. Lord Jesus, where we have taken control, where we have put ourselves onto the throne of our own hearts, where we have pursued that which is good just for ourselves, Lord, would you reveal that to us? That we may repent, Lord God, that we may understand and realize that we exist not for ourselves as if we are God, but that we exist for you to bring glory to your name because you are God. And I want to thank you, Lord, for the greatness of your love toward each one of us, that you show us what you are like through your word, that you reveal your love to us by your spirit. And it's by your spirit that we cry out back to you, Abba, Father. And Lord, I want to pray that 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 would become so real in our hearts over not just today, but over the week ahead, Lord God. Your fatherhood, your lordship, that the law of your love and the law of your grace would reign and rule in our hearts through Christ Jesus. That we would know you more intimately and that you would by your spirit lead us to find ways to express your love and your grace more effectively to those around us in our homes, to our spouses, to our children, to our parents, and Lord, even to those who we communicate with during the week, our extended spiritual family, those we may come into contact with through work and occupation. Lord God, give us your grace to be led by your spirit, that your lordship may be established in our hearts. And I pray that today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.